Welcome to Rocketship, the podcast where web developers learn the skills and secrets to ship awesome mobile apps. I'm Simon Grimm, creator of Galaxies.dev, and today's guest is Alex Muro, who has a lot of letters in his French name, but you only need to pronounce the O. Welcome, Alex. <laughs> That's an accurate description. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. So Alex is a mobile app developer at BAM Tech, um, but he is also the performance guy. So I found Alex um, talking about performance on, I think it was the last, uh, what is it, well, AppJS, right? AppJS, uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the AppJS. Uh, talking about performance and also sharing a lot of tips on Twitter. You created a tool called Flashlight.dev, which is kind of like Lighthouse for React Native applications, as far as I understand. So today's episode will be all about building performant React Native applications, and I hope you can uh, clarify a few things about that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, before we get into performance things, uh, I would just love to know how you actually personally got in touch with React Native? When, when did you join, join the train and um, what are you doing in your current job? Um, right, so I joined my, uh, the, the current company I'm working at, BAM, in 2015. So that's a bit more than eight years to uh, nowadays. That's very yeah. loyal in today's uh, world. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> But I still love uh, everything we're doing. I love the company and we've grown a lot, so. And at the time, actually, we were doing Ionic in, in 2015. Uh, the company got founded in 2014. And the co-founders, uh, Marek and Baptiste, were really thinking, um, yeah, we don't want to have one code for each platform, so we should really do cross-platform. And so that's how they got to Ionic. And at some point we had a, yeah, we started to look in a lot of other cross-platform technologies at the time to see like, what else could we try? Like Xamarin, Titanium, mm. uh, a lot of those. And at some point, uh, React Native came around and it got really interesting because, well, you had this promise of having JavaScript code and web developer tools. But at the same time, you get the benefit of having native components, native UX, etc. look and feel. And pretty much October 2015, Android version came out because originally mm -hmm. it was only iOS um, the first few months. We had a project uh, which required uh, performance because they had a lot of animations and stuff like this. And we thought, eh. Let's go. <laughs> I think maybe, you know, the company at the time was really small. Uh, that was a really bold move, I think, at the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe the, we would not do a move like that today because um, we're a bit more. Uh, but yeah, at the time it was like, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's try it out. Uh, let's do a project with it. And that was October 2015. And we got, I think, the yeah, in the beginning, it was pretty hard. A lot of things were missing. Um, we added a few uh, libraries for Android. Uh, we have an image resizing library. Uh, Did you create it in-house? Yep. Um, and then slowly all of our projects started to migrate towards React Native because um, we realized that it was really a good bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
And uh, nowadays we we don't only do React Native, but a lot of our projects are are React Native, and we definitely really love the technology. And I mean, over the past years, so many things have um, just you know <laughs> yeah. watched all the talks from AppJS about new React Native and Expo stuff, and it's it's amazing what's what's happening. Yeah, the development of Expo and uh, of uh, yeah, of course of Expo, but in general about React Native is, is pretty astonishing. Um, also, mm-hmm. it's not even version one yet, <laughs> so I don't know if it will be. Yeah, ever. that is true. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if we believe that there's going to be a version one. <laughs> version I don't, one I don't, I also I don't know. know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny that you you've been using Ionic. So yeah, I've I've been an Ionic advocate for the last like seven eight years. I started with it in twenty fourteen mm. as well and grown with it a lot. Um, I run the Ionic Academy, which is an online school completely for Ionic. So um, I'm just curious. Um, did you do like a comparison of Ionic and React Native, or did you simply? Accept the premise that React Native will be faster because it renders to native views. At the time, I think that was just basically, um, yeah. I mean, 2015 basically was just like look and feel. It was just feeling and and not really like accurately measuring. Mm-hmm. Um, I think phones were also quite, you know, not as good as they are today in, in yeah. 2015, 2016. So the difference was um, uh, palpable. But I mean, <laughs> a lot of things were also meeting, m- missing in React Native, like proper uh, navigation solutions and everything at the time. So it, it was not not perfect either, but it was nice to be able to give this uh, impression of like having native bars and and native components and just, yeah, native UI. Right. Nowadays, I haven't used Capacitor. Uh, I've never actually used Capacitor and haven't looked into it. I know that one of the biggest advantages nowadays is that React Native has Hermes, for example, um, which even if you have a you know massive JavaScript bundle in your app, Hermes will still make sure that your app loads as fast. Um, while if you're using web solution, I mean, I'm guessing I actually haven't tried it, but you know, on the web, if you have a massive JavaScript bundle file, it's going to take a while to to load, and it's going to be uh, going to be slower. So you have to deal with bundle splitting and everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're getting you into la- lazy loading bundles and routes, and then that yep. stuff. It introduces other problems. <laughs> yep. Yeah. True. I mean, I mean, capacitor is the great solution. It's not like one is completely better than the other. People like to say, oh, what's the best cross-plane technology? And then they also say, and what about Flutter? It's the coolest thing lately. But I mean, they all have advantages and disadvantages. Some people say Flutter apps totally don't feel native. I mean, they are also not really because they have like the Skya rendering layer where mm-hmm. they just draw everything. Then other people call these web applications out because they always feel like web apps. I mean, I've used tons of Ionic apps with Capacitor and Many of them feel okay, like you, you don't really notice it. Um, and if you can have, truly have one code base, that's also a nice argument. Like if you need a website and an app and you have a team of two people, then yeah, well, maybe Capacita is the best solution in that case. But um, we want to get back into React Native uh, today and why you are so obsessed with performance. Um, <laughs> I feel like whenever I look up your name, I see something 
somehow related to performance. Was there like a reason for that or did you just like evolve into that role? This is, yeah, this is pretty much the only thing I talk about nowadays. That is true. Um, yeah, what's the reason for it? That's a good question. <laughs> I was the um, tech lead of a big uh, project for a lot of time between like 2017 and 2021. Uh, really massive React Native app. And of course, we, uh, we got all this issues i mean we got a lot of performance issues of course like first it was pre hermes years so we had to investigate like how to you know our app was taking i think 12 seconds at some point to load on a oh, really <laughs> low-end android device uh, real you know like uh, high-end devices was fine but and uh yeah when hermes came along we went down from 12 to 4 i was almost crying um <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was so simple, like activate Hermes, and then I, I thought there was a bug. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> can't imagine. Why is it so fast? <laughs> it can't be true. <laughs> it was impressive. Um, so, yeah, I mean, of course, like I, I feel like the bigger your app is, you, the most likely you you are to to have um, performance issues to deal with, and. My gripes at the time was that, I don't know, sometimes I was like, I think the first thing I did was like put console log render and, and make sure that I rendered less things. But then I was like, that's <laughs> that's not scientific at all. Like, you know, okay, maybe I'm happy because I'm doing less rendering, but of course, like that's no proof at all that I'm actually improving performance. Um of course, I discovered React DevTools, which was a pretty awesome uh, discovery. Um, and then what happened was that at some point we wanted to improve the performance of one of our screens, uh, specifically the scrolling performance. And um, I wanted to have a clear indicator that our uh, performance was, you know, that we were improving performance. Like, <laughs> right. uh, if we do an action, sure, like it's, it looks like in React DevTools it's going to be better, but I, I want to see it. I want to, I want to yeah. see something. I want to see uh, a graphs. I want to see stats. And since I had been doing uh, a bit of web development before, um, also full full stack development. Um, I knew that there was, you know, a lot of tools out there. I love the promise of Lighthouse because, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's not perfect, sure, but what I really like is that you go to any website, even, you know, websites you don't own. You, you can go to, yeah. I always joke that I go to Google.com and get the Lighthouse score from Google.com, and it's not even perfect, I think. <laughs> um, but any website you want, it will give you a score very quickly. And that, that gives you a, a cool idea of, of where you stand. And so got the idea of uh, graphing the performance monitor with JSFPS and UIFPS to be able to like see it in a graph and just whip up a, yeah, add a score so that it would be more um, visible. And then afterwards, um, after leaving that project i wanted to move to something else um had a chat with uh my my 
my manager who's well he's the CTO of the company basically and um, I realized that yeah I, what really interests me is coding is like diving deep into subjects and and having fun with it I guess and performance is I feel like not a lot of like people should talk more about performance <laughs> um, I think a lot of projects it's like security. It's one of those subjects where you live it to, you know, <laughs> you, you develop features, 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 and then, oof, maybe we should check performance <laughs> or security or whatever. And you end up having a lot of issues, uh, which would have been, you know, much easier to fix during development. And yeah, that, that got me really interested in the subject, uh, because technically it's super interesting. Um, and I think more people should take a look into it. Also, I believe that, um, yeah, I mean, we should strive to build fast app that work on, on right. any device. Um, I think also in terms of, uh, I really enjoyed the concept of green IT and, and making sure that, you know, um, uh, what we build have a nice impact on the environment. And we know right. that uh, environmentally, what is really bad for the environment is building the phones. Uh, um, and mostly, I think the stat from the study in Canada was 80% of uh, phone uh, CO2 emissions are from its fabrication. Mm. So if what can we do as developers? I mean, there's whole thing about OS compatibility, of course. Um, but if we build fast apps, I believe that at least develop... Uh, users will be less inclined to change phones if if they still have apps that are working fast and and that are working well that's so cool i, I never thought about this arc between performance and performance apps and like environmental aspects and, and phone usages but of course it totally makes sense like the, the the more or the longer we can use phones the less phones we need to produce or maybe even the less we destroy the battery of the phone so we can mm -hmm. use the, the, the device for a longer time. Yeah, that's totally interesting. And I feel um, what you said before is true, uh, that not a lot of people are talking uh, about performance. And I think it's the same what Cataline Miron said before about animations. Um, not a lot of people are talking about animations mm -hmm. um, and people usually develop the whole project and then in the end, ah, we got a week, let's add some animations now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, It's probably yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point about animation. We start to, we're starting to talk about, so we have also a team of designers at BAM and they really love the concept of not building MVP, but MLP, minimum lovable products. Um, Yeah, I actually never thought about yeah animation in that in the same way as performance. Actually, for this, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think the the MLP concept um, is definitely something you need to embrace for mobile apps. So for a while, uh, on the web, all the, these indie hackers and MVP projects, you can just have like a few buttons and stuff up, and, and it works. But for mobile apps. I, I can't remember when I used an MVP of an application. Like the, the mm -hmm. app should always look good. Like I don't, I will not use your app if it looks like Windows 98 and has like ugly buttons and something. It's, yeah, definitely. And if the app starts 10 seconds, I have it uninstalled before I've even seen the first screen. Yep. So and I think performance is yeah definitely a huge part of that. 
I always right. joke. I mean, no, actually, it's not. It's not really a joke, but because um, sometimes people tell me, you know, my users actually have high-end phones, so it's fine. Like, for example, I'm sixty percent iOS and forty percent Android, so it's kind of okay to have uh, worse performance. It's not my biggest um, my biggest issue. And I like to call that, it's not true in every cases, but I like to call that survival bias. You know, this history of survival bias, I think it, it, it begins with the World War II or something where um, you got war airplanes uh, flying and coming back and they saw all the bullet marks on the airplanes and they thought, oh, you know, we should reinforce those parts to make them more solid because this is, you know, where we get uh, bullet marks. But actually what they didn't realize is those are the planes that survive. <laughs> uh, those are not the planes that got shot down. So um, in the same manner, what I'm saying is that uh, sometimes, yeah, you think your users are the users with high-end phones, but because those are the users that survived, <laughs> the users with, you know, crappy low-end Android phones, they, they just uninstalled the app because it doesn't work very well. And I've seen that happen uh, on a few uh, clients' projects, actually, where, yeah, they didn't actually realize that the performance on, on low-end Android phone mm. was just well, really unbearable, so they had less users. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I can totally see that point, and it definitely makes sense in this, this scenario as well. Okay, yeah, the thought I just had was um, I want to get more into the details of performance measuring and what we can do better in our application because you are the expert and we have you here. But I want to start with one other simple question in that direction. It's a more general question. So if, from your point of perspective, does React Native make it hard or easy for beginners to get good performance in applications. Like if I just start developing apps, I'm probably a beginner, I'm not yet an, like an expert level React Native developer. Do I tend to get good performance out of the box or shitty performance? That's a good question. Um, I need to answer that correctly. <laughs> um, I basically have two, two opinions about this. I think one is about like, um, React uh, Native and one is about, would be more about React. So what I like about React Native is out of the box, you develop your app, you have native component. Um, you, If you use the proper tools like uh, reanimated React Navigation with React Native screens and everything, which are, uh, I think, kind of standard at this point, uh, you get good performance out of the box and you can easily whip up some products which are um, pretty nice. What can be tricky is I think React, and, and we talked about this at last conference in London, React Advanced, that was last week, and um, the presented React Forget that I'm going to talk about um, in a minute. But I think React is really, really punishes you if you make bad code architecture decisions in your app. Uh, I think it works really well if you follow a good architecture principle like single single uh, responsibility principle, uh, you put the code where it's needed to be, etc. But I've seen clients come to me for performance audits uh, where you 
for example, have huge hooks at the root of the app or screens, custom hooks, um, which are doing so much stuff and exporting an object with, I don't know, 20 different parameters. <laughs> you have something with so much responsibility and React just kills you for it, basically. Because, mm -hmm. of course, you have use states here and there, so that means that every time something is going to happen, you're going to re-render the whole thing and, mm -hmm. and it's going to be pretty bad. So, yeah, I think if you have a huge app, you really need to to follow good principles and really think about this because otherwise you're yeah you're gonna get bitten. I think it's gonna be a bit less true with React Forget. Uh, React Forget is this compiler. I mean, basically, it's recognizing that use memo, use callback, and everything is just kind of a pain. Uh, <laughs> It is. Like it is in in the framework. It's it, and and they say it, they say it like that. Like it's not good DevX. It's it's sacrificing good DevX for good performance and good UX because you have to think about like oh uh, do I need to memoize and if I'm memoizing am I memoizing it correctly and if I am memoizing it correctly how long will it stay memoized correctly? It's just a matter of you know uh, messing it up at some point and forgetting to memoize the callback or something and you don't realize it but then your app has um, worse performance and with react forget they really want to take this out of the equation and and that they're building a compiler um, so that you can write react code beautiful react code without thinking about memoization and this will do it for you and compile it i mean Transpile it, maybe? I, I don't know. Uh, to, um, uh, actual React code that does the, all the memoization for you. And they've, yeah, they've, it's still soon TM to be to be released, as, as we say. Um, but apparently it's used in the Oculus uh, Quest store oh. uh, in production and also on Instagram.com. Um, they've mentioned that they, they achieved really terrific uh results uh showing like yeah go to react dev tools and you see that automatically just memoizes the stuff that you want memoize memoized and probably even better than if you do it yourself so let's <laughs> yeah let's that, hope. That, I, yeah that sounds pretty awesome i think mark rosavi uh told me about react forget the first time like last week or something um, and then I looked it up, and it was still like ser somehow vague in a talk from <clears> last year. But it looks like it's been making progress, and it's actually becoming a reality, which is very great because I'm kind of still a beginner in React, I'd say. And um, I, I use use memo and use callback, but I still basically struggle with like why is it called memoize and not memorize? Like why is there no R in that word? Shouldn't it be like memorize? Doesn't it like keep things in memory why is it memoize um do you, do you know? that's yeah that's a good question i mean memoize is is not something from uh, react it's something that existed for it's it's a computer term basically for remembering the result of a function um but why does it, it I, it could be yeah i don't, I don't actually know <laughs> i wonder maybe if memory like, was already taken for like real actual memory and they just needed yeah. a different word 
Yeah. I, I honestly don't know. According to Wikipedia, <laughs> the term memoization was coined in 1968 and is derived from the Latin memorandum, which means to be remembered. All right. <laughs> Learn something <Okay>. new. <laughs> well, we just got to have to accept that. <laughs> but basically, it's the same uh, same root as, as oh, yeah. memorization. So, yeah, I, I have no idea why the guy uh, who coined it well, called it that. Well. Well, so uh, until we got uh, React Forget and an improvement of our React performance, what are the steps we can currently take? So you said some clients come to you and they want to have a performance audit. Um, let's say uh, I want a performance audit of one of my apps. I, I maybe can't pay your company, so I want to do it myself. Um, <laughs> where where can I actually start with a performance audit? Like how would I approach it as a person or as like a small company? I think the simplest the simplest first thing to do is basically get yourself a low-end Android device on on Black Market or something, and just try try your app there. Um, I had a yeah, one of the clients basically the first time I I, I tried their apps, uh, the app was really unbearably slow on and on on low-end device, and. <laughs> They basically bought a low-end device for all of the company, uh, <laughs> and the yeah, I, I came back six months later, I think, and everyone was like with the low-end device testing their stuff. But what was really awesome is that yeah, I mean, when you when you have to spend your time with that low-end device, which is you know what a lot of users actually have, uh, you realize how what needs to be done uh, to improve the app and and. Yeah, just with that, I think they they were able to to improve or at least just realize how how much they needed to improve performance. So I think that would does, be. Does that mean that basically with with iOS devices you usually don't see those performance issues as easily as with low end Android devices? So I wrote. Uh, I do tend to care more about Android. Uh, I I wrote <laughs> a a blog article a while back where we cross referenced. Uh, data analytics data from our uh, the apps with the biggest amount of users that that we had cross reference uh, device data uh, device model from analytics data with mm -hmm. uh, benchmarks of what those devices uh, you know were performing on on a website called Geekbench. Essentially, what mm -hmm. I wanted to know is like, okay, what's the average performance of you know the users of my app? And what I realized was that first, uh, it was mostly like France and Europe markets. You have a lot of people with really low-end devices uh, with a very old CPU, uh, maybe eight cores, so maybe like eight CPUs, but they're really bad, so <laughs> it, it doesn't really help that much. But the second thing I realized is that iOS has really really fast devices well first because they're expensive so of course you know they, they get to be fast but secondly i think even on um uh, the same kind of pricing like the iphones that come out every year are really uh really good like on single cpus cores. so for example executing stuff on the js thread they're going to be really good at it um really fast at it while yeah so you tend to see, I mean, usually you tend to see fewer performance issues on iOS 
And if you tend to see them, it's probably worse on Android. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can I can assume. So I'm I'm using now a low-end device, and my my screen is loading slowly uh, on a low-end Android device. What what are the next steps I need to take? Yeah. So the next step I think is being able to set up. Um, I mean in. Yeah, when we're developers, we like to have indicators, you know, like uh, health indicators of the of our project. Um, so, for example, crash rate, we're going to take a look at crash rate in, in Crashlytics or Sentry, and we want this number to be above so, something. Testing, maybe we're going to check, I don't know, test coverage or whatever, what, or some other metrics, etc. Um, I think performance should definitely be the same and should have uh, clear, you should be able to visualize clearly um, what's your performance and how how it improves, improves or regresses uh, over time. Uh, this is, I mean, of course, I'm going to talk about flashlight here because that's uh, I mean, one of the goal, which I hope is... is um, at least partially attained is to be able to have an easy to have measure of of uh, performance, but it could be you know some other things um, you can use. What, uh, what is usually used to like measure FPS or, or RAM memory usage uh, on for React Native? Um, I would say flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, no, I mean, what, what what did people use before flashlight existed? So, for example, if it's just app startup time, I think uh, there is uh, React Native Performance, uh, which is a library by uh, Joel Artvisen, uh Oblador on, on GitHub. I, I forget if it's actually included in the React Native um, core now, but basically, if you It's definitely in their docs. If you install that in your app, it gives you a startup time of your app uh, so that can give you you know it's a it's already a good metric like startup time uh, this is something that you can um, um, that you can definitely uh, use uh, call stack has a really nice library called reassure uh, which is basically if you have tests with testing libraries reassure will can use a similar kind of test. I mean, basically what they do is they measure the time to render your components, your React mm. components, mm -hmm. um, and you can set up an actual uh, proper CI for it. For example, I have this home screen and it renders in say, I don't know, 200 milliseconds. And then at some points, uh, bad things happen. I mess up memoization somewhere and I don't know, it re-renders eight times. Uh, then Reassure is gonna be able to tell me, oh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, something bad happened. Like, like, like basically like end-to-end -end snapshot images and comparing like images, but so this it's, time it's, comparing it's numbers not, of render times. It's not even end-to-end, -end, uh, which is what is really nice, is that it's quite fast because it renders only on the JavaScript side. So it's kind of like testing library for testing. It's not really end-to-end. 
but it gives you this nice uh, API which makes it really fast to 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 work with. So here it just takes care of the JS side of thing, but already that gives you a lot of information and that gives it to you fast. Uh, flashlight would be kind of end-to-end -end reassure actually in in a way. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. flashlight is will be kind of slow, but it will run on a real device and uh, give you basically everything like JS, native, the bridge, uh, FPS, RAM, etc. So, so I think this sums up pretty well why so few people are talking about performance or getting into it because you as an expert already have problems like saying which tools we can use and it's really not that easy to, to get started to actually like measure the stuff or understand what you need to measure. Um, so there is like a barrier of entrance, which I also feel is the same for animations, which are like, I just posted something about interpolation yesterday and I still completely don't, I don't get it exactly. But anyway, so Flashlight definitely looks to me like it's making things easier. If I go to flashlight.dev, link also in the show notes, um, it really looks like, like I just dropped my APK in here, Flashlight runs some magic and then, and then I get a nice performance uh, review just like I would get with Lighthouse. How does Flashlight work? Like, how can I use it? Uh, so both, how can I use it? Like, do I just have to drag in something? And also, what is it actually doing be behind the scenes? Like some magic or? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, essentially, Flashlight is, um, I mean, at its core, Flashlight is a profiler. Um, just like you would see in, Android Studio profiler for native or even React Native developers. Um, it reads into the data of the phone uh, to be able to extract CPU usage, RAM, FPS, and everything. And it, from that, basically, it gives you an aggregate score uh, to give you an idea of performance because there are so many metrics. Uh, like, you know, the, the point is you decrease FPS, but maybe you increase CPU. Do you know if like it's really better or not? It's kind of hard to to deal with. So the point is to abstract that away a little bit, and then if you want to play with uh, nerdy stats on on CPU thread tables or anything, you can also do it as well. Uh, but essentially, yeah, it's a profiler. Uh, since Android runs on is based on Linux, uh, Linux is really nice because. For example, if you are on macOS or on Linux, you can do in your terminal, you can enter top, T-O-P, and this will give you the same thing as the activity manager would tell you. It would be listing um, all the processes in your, in your, on your OS uh, currently running. For example, at the moment, I'm pretty sure that we see Google Chrome uh, running with a mm -hmm. bit of CPU usage because of, uh, you know, um, camera processing and everything. Uh, and you can do that as well on Android, which is pretty cool. Like you could do ADB shell to run the same comment on, on Android on your phone. And if you do ADB shell top, you get the same thing, but for your Android phone. And Smart. Flashlight is loosely based on this concept that you can actually, yeah, hack into the phone, extract all the data that you want. Um, also, worth noting that we actually measured the performance 
of measuring performance <laughs> uh, because you could have like a tool measuring performance but you know actually being so bad that it actually you know yeah. has a huge impact on the phone <laughs> uh, so flashlight was also built so that it has a very very low impact on on the phone and so the easiest way to use it would be you just plug in your phone uh, you download the flashlight CLI and you go with flashlight measure uh, and with flashlight measure you get the web app where you're able to start and stop measuring and so for example um, you could uh, yeah say you want to improve scrolling performance in your app you start measuring you scroll you stop then you do a change you reload you start and stop and flashlight is able to give you the comparison view as well <sighs> Nice. Um, That's awesome. Where it goes a bit beyond that is that performance is is really hard. Because, I mean, this is what I like about it as well. <laughs> not only you have all those metrics that you need to deal with, you also have to deal with the fact that it's not deterministic, right? Uh, you measure startup time, and at some point, maybe your app is going to start in 3.9 seconds, and the next time it's going to start in 3.8 seconds. Uh, how do you know that you actually improved performance? You could be yeah. like, yeah, I gained 0.1 seconds, but probably you did not. Probably it's just, you know, a bit of randomness. So Flashlight also has this ability to just write a script. It could be simple script or end-to-end -end test script. And Flashlight will repeat it uh, a few times, take measures, uh, performance measures, and aggregate and average the measures uh, so that you are able to have a bit more deterministic measures. Oh, nice. Yeah, that makes sense. And then there's the whole concept of, I mean, my dream was really, and it, it still is actually, to have a tool like Lighthouse, upload your app, you just give it your app and it just tells you, oh, this is good, this is not good, you have an issue here, here, and here. Um, and so combining this end-to-end uh, uh, -end test, it's the common is flashlight test, basically, that runs several iterations with a real device in the cloud. And this is how you get uh, flashlight.dev, which allows you to basically upload your app and flashlight will just do this, repeat a single test over and over, and then uh, give you performance metrics uh, automatically. How does it work? So if I upload an APK to flashlight.dev, you, you basically, uh, Alex deploys it to his low-end Android device and then gives me <laughs> the measure? Or <laughs> exactly. Where, where do you run my app? <laughs> uh, we're using AWS Device Farm uh, because mainly it's the only... So there's a bunch of... Uh, I don't know who you call that, like... I would say device farms, but then AWS device farm is called device farm. Well, anyway, but there is a bunch of those uh, services which allows you to have a device in the cloud, like browser stack, uh, Sauce Labs, uh, mm -hmm. and then, uh, yeah, you have also AWS device farm. What's really nice about AWS device farm is that it allows you to do anything you want on the phone, uh, namely run ADB comment where we, we mm -hmm. go deep into the files of the phones and everything, which uh, to my knowledge, browser stack, for example, does not allow you to do. Uh, 
So this is why we use it. Um, basically, your APK gets deployed to AWS, and then we run the test against the uh, um, device farm, real device, uh, directly. This is this is really, like, really cool. I mean, the technology behind it is, I mean, not easy, but pretty easy. I've used ADB shell as well to, to connect to my Android devices and I don't know, open like a deep link URL <coughs> directly or something or extract some data. Um, but yeah, of course, running the top command and performing this and giving me a nice score is, is even better. Um, I mean, if I check with Lighthouse, it just, I actually don't know how it works, but it browses random pages of my, my website to give me a performance. Is that somehow possible for, for my React Native application as well? Like, could you somehow extract the routes or some kind of information without me telling you, okay, I have the route slash home slash about slash something. Um, so you could like check three, five pages automatically or is that like totally beyond what's possible? I mean, I think it's 2023. It feels like everything is possible <laughs> uh, nowadays. Uh, this is the major thing we're actually exploring right now because my ideal setup for flashlight would really be anyone just upload their app and it just explores it automatically and and is able to just let you know oh this is an issue you have an issue when you click on that button or something like that um, which would be great because then you have this before even deploying to production Uh, it would be nice to automatically detect that. Um, yeah, essentially all of the features that we want to do is this iOS support, which uh, mm -hmm. should hopefully be coming, adding also a bit data on stats, uh, like standard deviation and etc. like some to, just to bring to, to add a little bit more uh, maths into it, I guess. Uh, and also some other uh, metrics like uh, network usage and stuff like this. But so for automatic exploration, we have a few ideas. Uh, one of those actually is using AI. Uh, <laughs> there's a company called Mobile Boost, for example, um, who just released a, well, it's invite only in beta, I think but they released a, what, AI end-to-end -end test driver. Mm -hmm. So essentially you have your app, you give a prompt like, hey, uh, connect to this app with those credentials and uh, add three things to your basket or something like that. And it will automatically do it in your app. It should be possible with AI. Which is pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the paths we're exploring at the moment. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll, we'll have some stuff to share. Um, not, not 2023, I think, but maybe early 2024 or soon. Yeah, I think that's exciting. And with AI, I'm, I feel uh, the same. Everything should be possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I also kind of feel like th this is a, a great tool and you have some future ideas to develop it. And if you really can like at this AI stuff or make it really easy to just drop stuff and then make a check. I mean, I feel like this could be a great business. Um, so I guess you're working at it uh, at BAM because I think the package was something with at BAM. Um, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, the pack, I mean, the um, repositories, GitHub slash 
BAMLAB, B-A-M-L-A-B slash flashlight. Um, yeah. I will definitely put this in the show notes. Um, great tool. I think I'm going, actually going to do a video on this, uh, maybe showing some other performance measuring and then also flashlight as an alternative, which which is really easy. And then, of course, showing... I mean, it would be also great to not only show me the numbers, but also show me how to make it better and how to actually fix my performance problems. So, yep, definitely. I don't know. Um. If you say, like, you have FPS 30, maybe I don't know what this means um, or, <laughs> or how I could improve that. Yeah, this is one of the top uh, features that are requested. Um, to be honest, at the moment, we're also kind of, I mean, it's not like necessarily top of priority for us because we're like, well, you could also contact us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, essentially, I mean, we, would, we should put a bit this more in the documentation, but flashlights uh, at the moment is more for like measuring and then analyzing will be, you know, to be left for Like, for example, you have a JavaScript issue uh, Flashlight will tell you, oh, the issue is on the JS thread. And so that's going to be up to you to go to the React, um, to check React DevTools, for example, or or get a trace, uh, JavaScript trace to, to, to do that. And I, yeah, there's some good tutorials. I've given uh, also a, a talk on React Native EU on how to do that. I should I should add a blog article at some point if I, <laughs> <laughs> if I have the time. Um, but uh, yeah, um, FPS would be like checking with Android Studio or something. But I think this sounds really interesting for the future, and I'm, I'm looking forward to what's coming next to Flashlight. Um, I want to talk about two more questions today, which are kind of practical, so we can, can end this episode on some, some practical help. So the first question is, probably you've heard this before, but to me, as still somewhat of a new person to React Native, what is the best list component I should use? <laughs> yeah, I think if um, I think I've talked so much about this that some people are actually thinking that I'm affiliated with Shopify. <laughs> 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 um, but of course, yeah, uh, I've, I gave a talk at AppJS 2022 uh, about optimizing the performance of my list and essentially i feel like this talk could also have been entitled probably you should use flash list <laughs> and that would probably have killed my talk i don't know um but yeah flat list comes with um comes with is some issues that i mean it's just mostly purely JS based, uh, some default also that can be surprising. For example, uh, by default, you're going to be rendering, uh, you, like if you start your app with a flat list, you're going to render it, you're going to render 11 screen of data, uh, meaning you have like a, I don't know, it's the, what we call virtualization window. It's not just going to render your mm -hmm. screen. It's going to also render, uh, some other screens of data just to make sure that when you scroll, you don't have blank, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. blank screens. The annoying thing is that in, in at, at its most, the default is I think well, what the, the prop is window size is 21 by default. So you can reach 21 screens worth of components rendered in your app, which is 
huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Uh, so you need to really make sure that you're doing extensive uh, memoization and everything, um, which can yeah be kind of tricky. If you know about native uh, components, uh, if you don't use Compose, actually you have, I mean, the oldest Android component for building uh, lists is called RecyclerView. And so a while back, uh, there was this component called React Native RecyclerView, uh, which was based on the same con concept of recycling elements. So instead of every time you scroll, like you scroll and this guy gets unmounted and I mount a new guy, recycling is, oh, I take this element that disappears, I put it here and I change the prop. Mm -hmm. um, which adds a little bit of complexity because uh, you have to <laughs> ensure that your components are able to deal with that, uh, not being unmounted and remounted. Uh, but it saves up a lot on JavaScript thread usage. And so Flashlist uh, was this solution by Shopify, which took it a bit further and they were able to improve it, improve the performance, and also align the API uh, with Flatlist so that it's mm -hmm. almost as easy as changing one letter, uh, switching the T to SH, Flatlist to Flashlist, and, and all in all, you, you gain uh, a much better performance at the end of it. So, so I, as a, as a bloody beginner, I should never use just a scroll view and, and map my items and create components from them, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it really depends. I think if you have, you know, if it's just a small screen with, with not that many elements and you know that you're never going to have more elements than, I, I don't know, five or six or something, it's just, you know, to make it scrollable. Scroll view is probably fine. Um, but I think, yeah, in most cases, it's not that, hard or tricky to 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 use a, a flash list or a virtualized list but i mean i would advertise for using flash list there's still yeah, i don't I, know if marcus have talked about wish list <laughs> yeah uh, he, think... he said he wanted he wants to make an announcement soon i think Ooh. they were working on it but it came with some drawbacks like they they i think he said he couldn't solve some of the problems and if mark can't solve them then i guess nobody can <laughs> That is a good point. Uh, maybe the whole community <laughs> puts themselves to it. Maybe some uh, some AI we can yeah. try, but 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 if you, I mean I've used Flashlist as well. The the only drawback for me was that it wasn't working with Expo Go, so I heavily used Expo, and then I had to do mm. like a pre-build. But that was the only downside. Besides that, as you said, it has the same API as Flash, uh, Flatlist. So that means there's. Is there like no case when I should use Flatlist? Like, should I always just default for Flashlist? Or if I have like 10 items, then use a scroll view? Or like, can we get rid of Flatlist? Yeah, uh, I think defaulting to Flashlist is, I don't think there is a case where Flatlist would be better. Um, we did note at some point that there was an issue, but I think was fixed with right to left. Uh, mm. and also the web support uh, but I mean on the web support you also have some other solutions on the web so that you could replace it with uh, other than that I see really yeah you should always use Flashlist uh, scroll view 
maybe you just need to make sure that you're not in a case where you know <laughs> the you know the rookie thing to do is like oh i implement a scroll view and it works nice but then my api suddenly returns uh way more items than i expected and <laughs> oh maybe i should virtualize i should have virtualized all that um i've probably done this at the beginning of my career but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I think that answers the, the list question. And my, my second question to wrap this up is, you as an expert, you have analyzed quite a few apps, I guess, and the performance of those apps. Are there some, some simple common steps you identified that many people get wrong in their apps, like simple advice for people how they can uh, speed up their apps? I mean, maybe we'll React Forget soon, like adding that to our app, but beyond that, anything related to both React or React Native that are like easy wins? Yeah. Um, first thing, well, I mean, everyone at this point should be, but maybe if there are still some people who are not using this, everyone should be on Hermes, uh, especially on Android. I think on low-end Android devices, if your app is big, it's just unusable on low-end Android device. So switching to Hermes can be, a, I mean, it's easy because it's only one Boolean to change, but then you also can get regressions because Hermes is a totally different JS engine and some stuff might not work as they used to with um, the other JS engine. But I think it's really worth, definitely worth the time to invest uh in testing out your app and making sure that it it doesn't break like i was saying for us it was 12 seconds startup time to four mm -hmm. seconds startup time just by enabling it so enabling hermes making sure if your app is old that it's there definitely the number one thing to do um i think second thing would be yeah using flash lists uh, instead of flat list uh <laughs> everywhere uh, that's as easy as you could almost write a ESLink rule for it, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, third thing would be using React Navigation with React Native screens and making sure that you're using the native stack navigator uh, as much as possible, because then you get native animations. And, and so, you know, it's it's the best uh, best look and feel uh, and performance wise like I always joked that I was able to recognize uh, React Navigation app with a JS navigator because the swipe back was not as like native feeling on iOS than on uh, with the native stack so yeah React Navigation with React Native screens make sure you use native stack navigator um, then simple tips. Um, I would say take care of images. Uh, if you have images in your apps, for example, from a backend service, I mean, that's true for any app, break native, native, Flutter, any, any, any technology, to be honest, even web, uh, you need to make sure that you have the proper resolution and the proper disk size for the image that you're using. For example, if you're displaying your image in the 200 by 200, uh, square, you don't want to have a resolution of uh, 3000 by 3000 because you're <laughs> going to blow up the memory on your app. You 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 laugh, but <laughs> that that does happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel like I've done that before as well because I didn't care about it. Yeah, 
Um, um, is there a difference in the format of my images? Like on the web project, I often use WebP. Um, does it make a difference which format the image has if it's bundled within the assets of my React Native app, or is JPEG, PNG, is it? Yeah, WebP is pretty pretty good because uh, I mean, disk size it's just much better. I mean, it's 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 really great out of the box in terms of disk size. It's always going to be the smallest images. Uh, the support, the default support for WebP um, is, so on Android, I think you can basically use WebP as much as you want. On iOS, I forget, I think it's iOS 14. Uh, should should check that, I might be wrong. Uh, I mean, the good, the good thing about iOS is that people are usually on the last two or three versions and, and not yeah. anything yeah that's true that. but if you have an app that is like widely used um and that uh, yeah i know a few apps who need to support from ios 12 or ios 11 because they still have like three percent of users but when you have like you know 10 <laughs> millions of users three percent of 10 million is okay. is actually massive so they cannot afford to 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 not use that but expo image um actually uses uh, SD web image on iOS under the hood and they allow you to use WebP for any 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 devices so you can if you want WebP you can actually use Expo image uh, oh nice I didn't know oh once again uh, I, I learned up something new yeah Expo image great another good component to you to check out <laughs> um, thank you so much I think those are already some practical steps uh, and tips. By the way, I just want to add, um, if you don't want to use React Navigation, of course, you can also use the Expo Router, which I'm a big fan of, um, of the file-based routing, because it's still React Navigation under the hood, and it also yep. uh, uses the native native stack or tabs or whatever interface you're using. So, um, Alex, thank you so much for all the information. I, I really enjoyed this. I was looking forward to, to getting more into performance. I definitely want to check out more of Flashlight, so I will put this in the show notes again. Um, just to wrap it up, where can people find out more about you and what you do? Um, I think on Twitter, I guess, yeah, or x.com, I think, is what people call it now. Uh, I still have Twitter in the URL. <laughs> no, I think most people call it Twitter. Actually, at React Advanced last week, they had a poll of, do you tweet or you, do you post on X? 90% <laughs> of people um, said that they were still tweeting. I think the biggest surprise was that 10% of people were actually using X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, Twitter uh, is is the best way. My direct messages are open when I I, I get the notifications to to read them. <laughs> uh, if I don't don't reply to the messages, it's probably that I didn't see them. Um, so you can actually post a tweet mentioning me or something. I should reply, but yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, definitely everyone follow Alex on on Twitter. He has more hair on Twitter, at least a tiny bit more. Uh, so it's it's still him, um, but he also posts regularly about content uh, and that content about performance. So I really enjoyed your little uh, tweet threads. I, I kind of hate tweet threads usually, but yours are actually uh, informative and oh, I'm glad <laughs> like, to hear that. Not, yeah, I not just should definitely change my profile picture. I've been told <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's getting old. 
No problem. Um, if you want to learn more about me, of course, check out galaxies.dev. We have tons of courses for learning React Native in the best and fastest possible way. And of course, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified about the upcoming episodes uh, with great people just like Alex. So thank you, Alex, again for taking the time. And I hope we're going to see a lot about Flashlight in the future. Thank you, Simon. It was a pleasure. Thanks for hosting this. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Until next time. Bye. Bye.